We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. This is the California Golden Bearcast, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Indeed and Bet Online. Enjoy the episode. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Bearcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. This is going to be part number two, as you hopefully just heard us speaking to Cal alumni and overall awesome dude, Travion Beck, who is giving us a full breakdown of Cal's first win of the season. If you didn't listen to that, listen to that. It was awesome. He's fantastic. But now you're stuck with us. My name's Andy. Here alongside me is Rob. What's going on, Rob? How you feeling? I'm just I'm just basking in this glorious Monday evening after Cal beat Oregon. No one's everyone said it couldn't be done. I believe Oregon had like a 90-something percent like chance to win the game at one point. And we said, screw you, analytics, screw <laughs> you, SP plus. We're going to take half the yards per play of Oregon and still beat them. That is what yeah. we're going to do. It's like we had the chance to not have it be so statistically lopsided and not have it be that way. But we were like, nah, no thanks. <laughs> we would like it to be statistically lopsided but still come out on the right side. This makes no If you read the stats, this makes no sense on how Cal won this game. Yes, yeah, the most confusing win column of all time. Like yards per play, terrible. Oregon, awesome. <laughs> it's like it's just like everything. It's like you're reading that and you're like, damn, there must have been a lot of turnovers or something. Yeah, you know, something happened. Let's let's get into it. Let me uh let me read off like some of the box score stuff and then and then we'll get right into it. So Cal host number 23, Oregon in Berkeley in their final home game of the season, scheduled wise. We'll see if they have another one, but we, we don't know. Cal went 21 to 17, um, led behind some balanced scoring. They scored three t- straight touchdowns in the first, second, and third quarter. Oregon 
scores three in the first, 14 in the second quarter, and then goes scoreless. The Bears defense actually held them scoreless in the second half. Tyler Shuck, 14 of 26, one touchdown, 231 yards, no interceptions, but a lost fumble. Uh, Travis Dye for them, 71 yards on 12 carries. Tyler Shuck, 53 yards on 13 carries. I don't think that's sack adjusted. Uh, for their receiving, Jalen Red, of course, four receptions for 54 yards. He was good. Travis Dye, 85 yards on two catches. And then Johnny Johnson, the third, 41 catches for two or 41 reception, 41 yards for two on two catches for that long touchdown to to end the half. On the Bears side of things, Chase Garber is 20 of 32, 183 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions. Leading the way on the ground, Marcel Dancy, five carries, 34 yards. Damian Moore, 12 carries, 26 yards. And Chris Brown Jr., nine carries, 14 yards. Patrick Shaw, six carries, 14 yards. And the, the, the touchdown. And, of course, Chase Garber's with that QB sneak touchdown as well. Receiving-wise, Nico Remigio, 81 yards on six catches for a touchdown. Makai Polk, six receptions for 37 yards. Um, some of the some of the things that we were talking about total yards Oregon 368 Cal 271 um, penalties was the big thing Oregon had nine penalties for 60 yards Cal had four penalties for 33 yards granted two of those penalties for Oregon actually came on a PAT which they still made anyways so it didn't really matter uh, first downs Oregon had 19 to Cal's 18 Oregon four of 12 on three third down conversions Cal seven of 21 we actually both both teams finished at 30 percent uh, and then on f- Bears actually tried three fourth down conversion attempts and converted two of them. Total plays, the Bears 79, Oregon 60. Yards per play, that's the one we were talking about. L- yards per play, Oregon 6.1, Cal 3.4. Average yards per completion, Oregon 16.5, Cal 9.2. Average yards per rush, sack adjusted, Oregon 4.4, Cal 2.9. Time of possession, Oregon, 23 minutes, 57 seconds. Cal, 36 minutes and three seconds. Whew. That is a lot to go through. And, well, one more thing. The defensive stats. Coin Dang, of course, amazing, amazing day. Eight total tackles, half a sack, 1.5 tackles for loss, and two forced fumbles. Right behind him, another man of the game, Cam Good. Seven tackles, 1.5 sacks, 3.5 tackles for loss, and one pass breakup. Sheesh. <laughs> That's it. That's it. And fumble recoveries, of course, both caused by Coindang, one by Cam and recovered one by Cam Good and one by ISFA. And the ISFA was the one that clinched the game. There you have it. All the stats. This is a weird, weird <laughs> football game. <laughs> I don't I don't know how I felt about this entire game, but it was just yeah, it was a weird game. It was a weird game. There's nothing else I can say about it. You know, it's one of those things where I went to go pick up a Christmas tree and I was listening on the radio and Starkey and Pulaski are like, oh yeah, like, you know, Cal's going to have the lead going to the half. So I just tuned out. I was like, we're good. I heard the audio cue. I can go get the tree. In the 10 minutes that I'm getting the tree from the lot to the top of the car, I get 25 text messages that's <laughs> like Oregon fans telling me that, you know, because all the smack talk that I was, you know, starting to unleash on them, 
they're like, oh, this, it was coming right back at me. This is grand. This is great. What, you know, finishing the second half, I'm like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, why are you guys so happy right now? They're like, this is a great game. I'm like, what? No, it's not. You should be depressed. And then all my Cal fans, of course, being like, of course, of course, it's Cal. What did you expect? You know, it's just like, like, what is, what is going on? And then I look at the score and of course we're losing, which seems impossible at the time. <sighs> so I, I don't know. It was a we- it was a really weird game where I was trying not to care. And I was trying to follow the advice that I've been saying here on the pod all year long. I was like, don't care. Just lower your expectations and just be happy. There's football. And then I cared and I cared some more and I cared some more. And then I was just yelling by myself in a house at the television again. So this is like two weeks in a row where my neighbors have been like, is everything good with the Johnson household? Because on Saturday, right around four o'clock, there's been insane screaming going on. No, it's just me alone yelling at the television. Uh, I, I, that's pretty much exactly how it went for me too. And I told you guys in the, I told in the, the Travion Beck, portion of this pod is i went down for a pizza i come back and they had scored <laughs> and i was like what wait what like what just happened um yeah it was uh yeah you want to you want some uh, game notes before we delve deeper into this a little bit more yeah um chase garbers is one yard touchdown run in the first quarter was garbers second rushing touchdown 2020 and his seventh of his career uh six-year senior graduate transfer bradrick shaw uh Goal line punch in touchdown was the first of his Cal career. Makai Polk had a career high six receptions today. Um, Cam Bynum had two pass breakups in the second half, with, and now puts him at twenty nine on his career. He's tied for fourth on Cal's career list with Damian Hughes. Wow, it's good. That's a uh, it's good company to be with next. Yeah, year. I remember Damian Hughes. He was one of my favorite, favorite, favorite players. He's very when I was good. Very young. Yeah, he's very good. Uh, Cam Good registered a career high of 3.5 tackles for loss, surpassing his previous personal best of 2.5 against Oregon State earlier this season. He's now had 1.5 sacks and a fumble recovery for the first time in his career. Braxton Croto notched his first tackle for loss this season, second of his career uh, in the fourth quarter after he dropped CJ Verdell on fourth down to get the uh, ball back for the Bears. Moela Iosefa. Uh, equaled a career high five tackles, and of course, the first fumble recovery of his career that sealed the game. And that's it. Oh, Cal's punt on its opening drive marked the first time this season that the Bears did not score points on its first drive of the season. That was the big one. Uh, but yeah, I guess let's talk about the offense. Or do you want to talk? What do you want to talk about? You want to talk special teams? You'll talk about offense. You got to talk about defense. Let's shout out Jasper. Mm-hmm. Jasper was really excited about Sheehan. His dude from Australia. And we've been pretty down on him. And Recently, well. so. Recently so. I think with oh, evidence. Yeah. yeah. Oh, with a lot of evidence. <laughs> but yeah, he the special teams, you know, the special teams did what it's been under you know this regime, which is just hasn't been anything that really made of it you know, was wasn't making a ton of noise and that's totally fine you know it's like that's fine no negative plays i thought nico had a couple of good returns you know and uh so that was good to see but the yeah overall 
special teams kind of we played a very Wilcox dare I say get a couple people angry David Shaw type of game <laughs> you know where we played field position to a probably to a fault we went forward a couple times where Shaw would probably taking field goals and that's the difference and that was the difference in the win today is just Wilcox willingness to go for it on fourth down but that will then lead me into the offense and why we are so inept at getting the ball into the end zone in goal line situations. Oh my goodness. Those possessions having to get four downs. Like I was like, ah, we, uh, you just don't, you shouldn't need as many of those as we needed, but we did and we got them. And, you know, we were the beneficiary of that pass interference call that I, it did look like the hand was around the receiver and, I know Rod Gilmore didn't feel the same way, but if you're listening to Rod Gilmore, then I have bad news for you. But yeah, to his credit, he's gotten better. He's gotten better. He used to be unbearable, and now he's like he's gotten better. So, yeah, Rod, I'm sure he's a big fan of the podcast. So, apologies. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think? What do you think about special teams? As I said, I think I said it. In, I said it again in the in the previous pod with Trey. Like this was Nico's first return without a penalty that actually went for positive yards. He had one that was like a chunk one um, that got called back on a penalty, but first one in the record book like that actually counts towards his all-purpose yards. So hopefully, that's it's more to come because clearly, it's clear he's. He's breaking off these runs this year, like that extra speed. Apparent, I guess that he's worked on this uh, this off season has paid off immensely. That he's become that threat, and we haven't had that threat since probably what Trevor Davis, probably is like the last person who had that threat for us. So, yeah, uh, we have a guy now that can do it. So, I thought the special teams. This is the usually special teams is one of those positions where units. Where the the le- the less you talk about them, the probably the better the job they did. It's like one of those things, right? So it's like, oh, you're punting, you didn't have any issues with it. It was, it was fine. Field goal kicking, you didn't have any issues with it. It was, it, it, it was fine. Um, it, it was kind of one of those. Um, so thankfully, no mishaps, no issues. I think maybe if I if I were to nitpick, there's probably that one punt that I think netted maybe like thirty something yards. But outside of that, like I think it was fine. Uh, that punt was actually really hard to kick too because it was it was so far on the right hash, and they rolled him out right because you're not going to roll him out left, right? You have to roll him right, and there was just not enough space to to the sideline to make that kick. So I think that was a tough tough kick to make. But that's like that's super nitpicking at this point. So let's go to what the people want. Let's go what to the offense. The oh. they want the offense. They want the offense. They want the offense. We've talked about the offense and we've kind of preached this patient patience is a virtue approach. I will be the first to admit I threw that damn approach out the window and it was like a high rise window (laughs) on those last two possessions. And I was like, all right, offense, you need to do it. Like you need to do it. And the only thing I wanted to say, which was interesting because I had a very abnormal viewing of this game. You know, most cow games I've been watching the same way. For the last, I don't know, I can't think. It's like something changed. I think right around when I joined C, like you know, CGB back in the day, RIP. 
and then you know now rifle right for cal but like i started watching the game very intently as if i had to write a recap for it so i needed to be in a scenario where i was always watching i was watching it live i had the ability to pause and, and so i was very focused and it was very few games where i was going into big houses you know it was always that or you know i'd go to yours to for a watch party but with people that also kind of consume the game in the same way well this one, I was out like at a brewery outside at a table watching on a phone. Then I moved to listening on the radio. Then I moved to, li- to watching it on TV. So I had a lot of like different experiences. And one that was very interesting because I normally wouldn't have had it was pause basically calling Garbers out for missing reads and throws that a third year quarterback should not be missing. And I, I'm just putting it out there with no context. Like, I'm not trying to add a ton on it, but I thought it was interesting that you have the color guy on a very friendly <laughs> broadcast team that was a former quarterback that is seeing things in our starting quarterback that he's not thrilled about. And it just started to come through in a way where I was like, okay, like this isn't the first time that he's thought this. And so now he's forming more of an opinion that this is a thing. And I think as you looked at this season, you looked at this season saying the offense has to carry this team. And what has ended up happening is like, I feel like the defense has largely kept us within it. I think you and I both have said this team needs to score 30 plus points to give the defense, like the defense isn't going to be like the Cal team that locks you down, holds it until boom, what did they do? They did it. It's amazing. I don't know how they keep doing it, but it was incredible. <laughs> um, but what we expected to see, and as Avi's prediction was, Cal, I think 34 or 38 or something like that. 34, 38, 17, something along those lines. Expected to see the offense take a little the leap with the seniority that they have on the side of the football. And we haven't seen it. It's been pretty bad. <laughs> like, I don't know. I lost confidence this game mm. on offense. And wow. it was so it was hard because Trayvon's got such optimism for it. And so I believe that. But at the same time, I sort of found myself being like, hmm, this, you know, like NAMS, like this is suboptimal. This seems this hints of suboptimal. So I'm curious to hear if you had a similar experience or different. Yeah, uh, I I will say I, I haven't lost confidence yet. I, I still saw more positives today, and I feel like I'm getting more and more positives every week post-UCLA game, right? Um, UCLA game was one of those games where I was like, ooh, I, we haven't seen that formation before. Ooh, we haven't seen uh, that personnel group before. But the execution wasn't there. And then you kind of saw it pick up against Oregon State, and then you saw the playbook – and then you saw the playbook be opened up a little bit more against Stanford. And then you saw the playbook actually get opened up even more this week against Oregon. Like that drag route to the wheel on Nico's touchdown, which Trey talked about, that what we'd never seen that route before uh, in any of the cl- plays called over the last four games. It was the first time we saw it. Um, so like it's just little things like that that we're like slowly introducing it. Do I think we're introducing it maybe too slowly? Yes. But that's also not my call. That's the coach's call to see it like if they, if they think the players are ready to to have like a, you know, 
40 play playbook like for that week. You know, I, I don't know if they're ready for that or not, but I mean, that also being said, like Hitler day, who is the addicted to quack, uh, the Oregon SB nation site, their football film guy, um, who I'm, I absolutely love dudes. Awesome. Um, he, and he charts games by himself, like no other. And one of the stats he messaged me uh, was on December 1st, before the Oregon game, before the Oregon game. And, uh, Chase Garbers is left to right passing splits. Okay. Right. If he throws right 17 of 33, 51.5% completion percentage, 88 yards, 2.67 yards per attempt, 29.4% success rate of plays. Okay. That's to, that's throwing those right. When he throws to his left, 36 of 47, 76.6% completion rate, 402 yards, 8.55 yards per attempt, and a play success rate of 56.3. That is a that is a night and day split. <laughs> like, you know, Hitler Day said when he throws left, he looks like a Heisman candidate. Like, and that if you look at the stats, yeah, he looks like a total Heisman candidate. Uh, but when he goes right, like it, it doesn't. And the funny part is, is like you look at all the big plays we've uh, done this year. They mm-hmm. all come to the left side. Makai's like uh, what's a Nico's touchdown left side. Uh, Kikoa's like long passes down all left side. Uh, so it, it's intriguing. Now, does that? I don't know if that's a part of the play design where it's like focusing on his left, or is he more comfortable throwing to his left? Um, is he like I? I don't know what it is but he's definitely throwing to that side more often and he's having good success with it. Only problem is we're not setting him up, you know, to, as Trey said, to let him go to work, right? Like you look at the drive chart and it's like three plays, eight yards on our first play punt. And then you look at the two, two touchdown drives after that, which I think were good because the run game was actually efficient on those drives and they got the yards that the play action started to work. And then we started to throw, and it was a little bit – it was balanced. You know, 13 plays, 75 yards, then 19 plays, 80 yards. Granted, a couple of penalties, I believe, helped us sustain those drives, but I think uh, just from a drive standpoint. Then, like, then comes this, like, weird sequence. Six plays, 11 yards. One play, negative one yards, and then that's the end of the half. And then to start the second half, three plays, three yards. Six plays, 29 yards. Then we get the touchdown drive, and then we're up. And then it – and then it reverts back. Six plays, six yards. Three plays, two yards. Three plays, minus five yards. Eight plays, 17 yards, and then turnover on downs because we went for it on fourth down and, and we didn't convert. That was the longest 17 yards yeah. I've ever seen. <laughs> it felt like we were... I mean, it, what? It was eight plays for those 17? It was two yards. Yeah. I mean, it felt like we couldn't advance the ball six feet if we tried. We started on the Oregon 42, and we ended on the Oregon 25. Yeah, I mean, and that's the that's the concern is you you're talking about elite field possession uh, field position coming off of a turnover, mm-hmm. like what should be the game winning turnover. There's no way like Coin Dang should have to make that play twice, and he does, and we win. <laughs> but like, right. there's no way he needs to force two fumbles there. The game should have been won just off of the first force fumble. That's where we should have well, taken. I mean, we, we should have put the game out of reach. We we got the ball twice before that, before that turnover on downs that we did, 
where they had the turnover on downs because we got the stop. Yeah. And then that's what led to three the three play two yard punt. And then they fumbled on the Tyler Shuck scramble and then the fumble by Coin Ding. And then and then we go another three plays, but negative five yards and punt. So like it the the issue that we had, remember with the big game was like it was clear as day when we were gonna run. And then it put us in situations where it became clear that we had to pass. And I think that's that's more of the frustration I have. I think there were enough elements of the offense that when when executed properly is a damn good offense that could work from a from like a scheme and structural standpoint, but the execution was not there. And not only that, but the actual play calling itself like you needed to diversify it a little bit. Like you needed to pass on first down at certain points. You needed to keep them on edge. But they clearly knew when we have the lead, we're going to run on first down no matter what. Right? Yeah. Like we're not yeah. we're not going away from that. So that's what led to like, you know, the the three straight punts after our touchdown in the second half. It was six plays, six yards for th- 3 minutes and 29 seconds. Then we get the turnover on downs and we give the ball back after minute 52. Then they fumble, and then we give back the, the ball again after a minute and 21. Like, if we're trying to burn clock, we're clearly not burning clock. <laughs> Even with that that thing. And and the, the tweet I put out, like, you know, after the Stanford game is that our margin of error hasn't increased. Like, if you know that the offense is going to have to do that, then you have to – or, like, then you have to create some more opportunities for your defense, right? Like, maybe take a, bit, a few more risks – and get your offense a few more possessions. Or if you're if you know your offense is going to do that and you know you're going to run the ball like that, then your defense has to step up big time and basically play a bend not break type of defense. Yeah. No, I mean I think if you look at <laughs> I first of all, the Nico catch, the 5-yard catch for a first down was just the most ridiculous ridiculously awesome play it was very that hard was a, earned that was he an did. incredible catch and then he wasn't at the first down, down no, marker, but then he like was able to get up field there so like look at this drive it's like okay so we have it at the 42 damian moore runs the right for four yards so you are in it like that's good enough that's good if, that's a good run that's a positive net run then we have Garber's going to Mackay, which is incomplete. And then we throw a three-yard pass because who knows why on third down. (laughs) And then we call a timeout and we go for it at the 35. And Garber's completes it to Nico on that amazing play. Then Bradrick Shaw runs for six yards to the Oregon 24. So now you have second and four. And we go Bradrick Shaw run for one yard to the 23. And then we go Bradrick Shaw run for a loss of two to the Oregon 25. Yep. Dude, it's like a snooze. Like snooze. It's so boring. <laughs> and it's so ineffective. That's why I'm losing confidence. Because it's it's just crazy. It's a commitment to nonsense. Like I literally think it's a commitment to nonsense. It just doesn't. It. Yeah. It's so frustrating that Cal didn't win the game there. And that Oregon got an additional possession. And then on top of it, you add in the like 
you know, whether or not to kick the field goal, I can't really decide. You know, I like the idea of wing going for the win. We didn't go for the win against Stanford, and I think it probably haunted the coaching staff. Wilcox was like, no way, I'm just going to go for it. And, you know, Makai almost had the catch. But it shouldn't have to come to these fourth down plays. And I think that's what you're saying about this margin of error. Is like we're tired of this game in my mind should have been put away should have been out of reach Mm -hmm. with about five to six minutes to go. It should have been us texting our Oregon friends. Yeah. (laughs) I did. I own this. I own this thread now. And they all know I said, I was going to call them out on the podcast. I'm calling all you out. I own the thread now. It's mine until next year. The thread is mine and I'm excited about it, (laughs) but we didn't have that satisfaction. And so this game feels a lot to me like when Sonny beat Oregon yeah, on because inter- Oregon inter- felt inter- bad. Yeah. And so I sort of felt like we gave the Ducks so many chances to win that I think, or it just sort of left me with this feeling of like, Oregon is worse than we thought and might be bad this year. And therefore we were able to win instead of, we faced a down Oregon team and we beat them solidly. And I really am starting to get an appetite for a little bit more of the latter than the former because Wilcox has treated us to some pretty nice wins. And unfortunately, when you start to have some levels of success, you start to grow those expectations. I think you're abs- I, I think it's warranted what you're saying because like I'm looking at the other drives today, right? And it's like, or in the fourth quarter. We start our drive uh, on the 19 after Cal gets the stop by Braxton Croto on CJ Verdell, right on fourth down. We're on our own 19. We're only up four. We cannot afford against a team like Oregon, who we saw in the first half break us on a single play, right? We can't have them go. We can't on our own 19 yard line go Bradrick Straw run, Damian Moore run, Chase Garber scramble, punt. We we can't we 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 can't afford to to be just that type of like we have the lead so we're going to enforce our will on you we don't have that type of personnel yet we're not we're not given that luxury yet uh, we can't run the ball like into the ground and out of reach like we don't we don't have we don't have any of that personnel yet nor do we have the execution for that and. That's the thing that, like, I think even Nick was super upset about, and he's been upset about on the stream for for the last few weeks. Is that is that exact same point? Is that when you play this type of game where the margin of error is so thin, and your defense is playing this type of game, your offense cannot afford to go three and out for you and expect your defense to bail you out every single time, right? We can't. This is I. <laughs> We're getting to the point where where like it's the the talking point is the exact opposite of the Sunny Dykes team, which is like, you know, our thing when Sunny was here, we were saying the defense cannot afford to ask the offense to bail them out every single time to score, right? That was kind of what we were talking about, and now we're talking about the flip side of that, right? Where yeah, we we can't be asking our defense every time to come out come up with a stop, not bleed points or cause a turnover. Thankfully we did this game right and we came out with the win with Coin Dang with some freaking su- a Superman game in my opinion. Uh and we'll talk about the defense a little bit but 
it that's that's it for me like it's just we got to start putting like pressing down on the pedal a bit and like not letting up right we get these early touchdowns we've seen i i feel like we seem to get these early touchdowns where like we get a drive or two in where our our offense is working it's clicking and it's being efficient and then we get like a touchdown or like a like a 10 point lead and we're just like you know what we're good our defense is going to carry us the rest of the way and it's like it's like seven minutes left in the second quarter, and then we're just like, "All right, we're just gonna keep running the ball now. It doesn't matter if we go three and out. We shaved off a minute and fifty on this and the clock. Our defense is gonna bail us out on this next on this next." It's track. it's the reverse. Remember the Titans. We run all night. <laughs> Twenty twenty has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring, and you only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back in full swing. Kind of, not really, mainly not. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Can we, and I ask you this, Rob, can we? Please see if Bet Online has odds on whether or not the game this week will be canceled due to COVID. We'll see. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, I don't pretend to understand why. You know, I think one of the things I was like was like, you know, Damian Moore got 12 carries. Carries, but it felt sporadic. Yeah. And I would rather see somebody like that get rhythm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was because, and then Dancy did look better, 
and he got very few. He got a handful of five. So I, and then look, I'm not trying to like be negative on a player. Like I like Bradrick Shaw situationally as a runner. He's big. So he did, but like Damian Moore, I like as a runner because he can hide behind the O lineman, but he's super sturdy. So he can break those additional like tacklers if somebody runs up against him. Like I'm not really worried about Damian Moore getting too many negative plays. He's tends to be what I've seen of him is like, I really like it because I think he follows his block. He sees the hole well, follows his blocker, and then is able to uh, shed tackles at that second level. That's why I think he was so effective against Stanford. I think Bradrick Shaw is a bigger target. It's just kind of obvious what we're doing with, with him in the backfield and we're not running play action on those plays. The only play, like when we're like, all right, we got a score here. So let's run a flea flicker. And it gained, like, as you said, like five yards. <laughs> I think we needed seven yards to go and we threw it to a five yard out. So it just feels really choppy and it's weird to see it with different coordinator because then you're like, Hmm, when you make a change at offensive coordinator, you would expect to see not the same struggles just in different forms. And what we've seen are the same struggles in different forms. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's on the O-line, not getting a good enough push. I thought we actually got some pretty good pushes and had better blocking than we've seen in the last couple of weeks. But I do think that the offense is kind of a question mark right now. And it's the question mark we couldn't afford. If, if this was not 2020, not COVID, a normal year, mm-hmm. the expectation for this team, the reason why CBS projected this team to get 11 wins <laughs> was because they were returning everybody on offense. Everybody. And what have we done with those? Meh. That's what I think we've done. It's frustrating, man. It's super frustrating, especially now, more so than early, because this should have been clicking by now. So I don't know. I I don't know. It was interesting what Polowski said about Garbers missing reads, missing throws. Garbers has missed guys high. He's missed them, uh, you know, especially when he throws deep, especially, as you said, to the right side. He's missed guys. I mean, he also had Makai drop that one. Uh, that was like for sure a touchdown against Stanford, but they did end up scoring anyways. But, you know, he's missed these guys on some of these throws. And, yeah, it'll be – and then I'm watching this Kai Milner uh, tape. <laughs> the no-look pass in the, it, behind the back in the end zone. But with him as a dual-threat quarterback – it's weird because, right, Chase, why aren't we using Chase as, as a runner? I just don't get it. I, it confuses me. It's it's crazy hearing Travion say the same thing because I'm like, why aren't we booting him out more? And then Travion comes in here and says the same thing. And I'm like, oh, like, because, you know, like how Harbaugh used luck and his legs as a runner. Like, we have the potential to do that with Chase and – it's a huge weapon for us, and I, don't, I just don't know if we're truly like leveraging it the, the way I'd like to see. No, I think you're right because there. I, I think the this distinction I think we need to make here is that Chase scrambling for yards 
and an offense predicated on him scrambling, not a good offense. That's not, that's not, that's not, uh, you can't maintain consistency with that, right? But an offense that has plays built around trying to get your quarterback into space and make plays because he is a good runner, that's a doable offense. Like that is a maintainable offense, right? I think a couple points to what you just said. Like you talked about the Bradrick Shaw thing. If we're the New England Patriots and we have LeGarrette Blunt lined up in the back, right, and they know exactly what we're trying to do, which is we're going to run it at you and we're going to get four yards on you every single time with this man, that makes sense, right? But we don't have – I mean, honestly speaking, we don't have the offensive line yet that can enforce that type of will on a, another defensive line. and But we're trying to play plays like that, which kind of, you know, is one of those feelings of head wall, right? It's just what – like why? Why? We know we know we don't have the personnel for it. And I, and I understand that it might work every once in a while because it's college football and, you know, things happen. But in this situation, like it wasn't working today. Like why are we trying to constantly go to this? Um. The chase question is so weird to me because I think as a fan, all of us want him to succeed, right? All of us absolutely do. But if you were to take the fandom out of it and you look at just his pure numbers, and you know, there's there's a lot of caveats here to be too because we found out in 2018 that he was hurt. He was playing hurt pretty much all year, right? Patrick Laird told us that after the season was over, he was like hurt and. He like couldn't throw pretty much past like 10 yards, but he was still trying to chuck it basically like 25 yards downfield. Everything made sense of why he couldn't throw downfield. And then even and then he like lit up his sophomore year after the two out, out of conference games and just start started taking off. Excuse me. Um, but see, I as I said, I'm not a fan of Colin Coward. But I love his take on analyzing quarterbacks and usually good players too. It's any player can have a really bad season. Any player can have a really good season. You take away those two things and you average out the rest of their career. That's probably the quarterback that you have. And that's kind. I mean, if you if we did that with Chase, right? Let's let's eliminate 2018 just because let's say it was his bad year because he was playing hurt all year. And then let's look at let's look at just like 2019, right? Let's eliminate his best game, which is probably, what would you say? Ole Miss? Or the bowl game? Or the bowl game. I think they're even, so you can knock out either or, right? And then, but he only played nine games. And then you take away his worst game that season, which is probably, what? What would you say? Like the North Texas game? Yeah. All right? <laughs> um, yes. And if you if you remove that, it's not it's nothing really stellar. To be honest, it's not it's not anything that like is eye opening or would go to show that he's like a plus plus at the position for you. Right. Because you take away North Texas, he had one touchdown there. You take away Ole Miss, he had four touchdowns there. He'd end the season with two, three, four, five, nine touchdowns and three interceptions in seven games. Like, is that good enough? As a game manager, probably like a game manager type of quarterback, but as like a, a quarterback you want to 
explode and like predicate your offense on? Not really, I don't think, from a statistical standpoint. So, like, I want Chase to be good. Like, I absolutely do. But I, that was the thing of like when when he exploded against Mississippi. Like I I said, right, is we need it. We need him to string together a few games like this because any type of player can have a few good games. But it's just that matter of like maintaining that excellence at that level. That's what like puts you into that next tier, right? Um, I don't think we've. I, don't, I mean, honestly speaking, I don't think we've seen that yet. I mean, I'm trying to look up too. Is like, especially if you were to look at his record against Pac-12 opponents, because you're talking like bowl game was four touchdowns, Ole Miss was four touchdowns. You know, so it was what his best game was probably the big game, 285, 285 touchdowns. one touchdown, no and interceptions, 20 of 30 on on throws, and 13 of carry, 13 carries for 72 yards and touchdown. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's definitely is. So like, that was the game that started a lot of the belief, I think. Right. Was, but was, even then, if you took his just a stat line out of a of a big game win and just put his stat line on like a board, no one's going to pick that out and be like, that's that's a that's a, a that's like a, a B or a quarterback in college. It's it's good enough to get you a win. I, I opinion, if you have a defense that good and can carry that side of the ball for you, but I just don't know if 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 it's like if if it's a plus. I think it's just a it's a push at this point. Yeah, I mean it's it's gotta be <laughs> like all right, I gotta feel. I still feel like without a doubt that Chase is absolutely the best. You know he's he's our quarterback this year and next year. I don't think I mean, there's any, you know. Yeah, but. I mean, people are asking like, oh, like you know, if could we like replace him with another quarterback? And I was like, if you were to replace him, his replacement is Devin Modster. We're not going with Jaden Casey or, or Zach Johnson or any of the younger guys, right? Or Spencer Brash. Like we're going with Dev, Devin Modster would be the guy. And is that necessarily an upgrade over Chase? I do not think so at all. So Chase gives us the best opportunity to win right now. It's just that as as we evaluate just a straight quarterback, is he a plus plus? Is he a plus or is he a push? Right now with this play, I'm gonna I, and his stats. I'm just gonna say it's probably a push. It's probably a push. Yeah, I. He's not doing anything negative. He's not being negative enough, but he's also not like game breaking from that position. Right. And, and and I think that's the most important point here is that that it, it this was the I you know keep coming back to it but this was the year of the offense. Mm-hmm. Outside of the coordinator change, which I know is a big shift, but we even heard that you know from Chase himself that, that picking up the playbook fast was easier to pick up than Bo Baldwin's. You know, this was the year to sign us look for progression. The defense, you're kind of looking at the positives. Can you maintain what we've done before with a tremendous amount of tur- turnovers? Travion himself said yes. Can you read a lot of reasons? Yeah, it looks like the answer has been yes there. The offense, I mean, what? Like, let's go to our predictions. I predicted Chris Brown Jr. is going to run for two 200-yard games. Like, you know, I know our predictions are kind of jokes, yeah. but nobody said that that was a joke. You 
Trace, me, we're like, we all kind yeah. of got it. We're like, yeah, it's possible. Possible. And yet we haven't seen the run game be nearly as effective as we would have hoped outside of Damian Moore and Marcel Dancy actually played well in the big game. But, and then we also haven't seen the quarterback really take on this kind of like, I'm going to, you know, it's my turn. You know, even like I'm thinking about like the mediocre quarterbacks of the past, like Jake Lutton at Oregon State. Like Lutton, or is it Luton? I forget how you say his name. Luton. Luton. Yeah. He was fine in college, but he was, but then he was, he took that step to being like good plus. Yeah. (laughs) And then got in the NFL and people are looking at Garbers going to the NFL and I'm still, I'm still not totally like, I I think he has the skill set to do it. But like I don't know what's happening because it's hard for me to understand. Is it a trust thing with the wide receivers because he's clearly got more of it this year than we've ever seen throwing downfield to uh, Makai and definitely uh, like we finally saw Nico open up a little bit as well. But or is it a is a playbook thing? But like something just feels off mm-hmm. because we. I think of the one place we had expectations in we're maybe not seeing those delivered on nearly as much as we expected to. And it's costing us wins and it's costing us feeling overall looking better. Right. I mean, I think you and I both went into the season, this whatever 2020 season we're calling this, and just kind of like, just show me signs of life. Just show me signs of improvement. We're not expecting us to win the conference this year like or anything like that. Nor should it really even count because we're only playing six games. And we want to see the steps being taken for 2021. Because that's that's realistically where the expectations w- were, right? I mean, I think if we had a regular 2020 season, we probably would have had higher expectations for this team. But we knew going into 2020, it was like... With uh, when they recalibrated for a six game season, we're like, yeah, this is this ain't happening. Um, we want to see those steps, as you said, we saw that from the defense, and we've seen that from the defense. We haven't seen a single shred of that out of the offense, and that's even that's coming from me, who's who's been saying, don't judge the offense until the season is over. I still think the offense is going to get better as the season progresses, and it clearly has to a certain degree, it just hasn't. It's taken baby steps and it hasn't taken like adult size like steps. And like, I think that's what's so like so frustrating. And I get where Pulaski's saying too. It's like, do you have a third year? You had a third year QB. Like, he should be able to make the fundamental stuff go. The intricacies of like the offense and the nuances of like how to play call and the words and the reads and, and all that, that, that could be different. But ultimately, what it comes down to is when you snap the ball, you got to make your read. You got to see the receiver and the play, make the right one, and throw to that receiver. There are moments where we haven't seen even that. And maybe it's the thing that Trey was talking about when we had him on early in the season, was just talking about how, you know, he's he's under center now. He has a lot more things to worry about than just throwing the ball and and to his wide receivers. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's just not used to that yet. And maybe we see that next year. Who knows? But either way, right as of right now, something's out of sync and something's not working properly. 
Yeah, maybe maybe it's that. And, you know, we have the benefit of getting, you know, Chase back as a junior next season. Mm-hmm. So that's insane. <laughs> that's hugely beneficial to us. And then there's a potential of a, of another year. So, I mean, Garbers is on track to probably set many records in the halls of Cal Football Hall of Fame. Like, I would bet that if he stays and he gets a 2021 and a 2022, like, Chase is going to have probably a fair share of those. He'll be in the top three, if not higher, you know, like, so there's still a lot of potential here. And, and I think that's the, the optimist note that we'll sort of move on from is that, you know, we say this is more of just like looking at where we're at now and the future is very, very bright, but what we've seen today is, yeah, I agree. It just doesn't feel like whatever we've seen is working. He's Chase has been the Chase has played with us for three years, right? He's been with us for four because he's a red shirt, right? He's had three different quarterback coaches. People seem to forget a little bit of that too, right? He had he had Tui as his first quarterback coach, then he had Bo Baldwin, and now he has Bill Musgrave. Not a lot of consistency there, really, right? From just even from a coaching perspective. So a lot of things against him. It's like that. It's the Alex Smith thing for the 49ers. It's like, if he had a consistent coach, could he, could he have been better? And, you know, you kind of saw that when, you know, Harbaugh was there with the Niners and you're a big Niners fan. So, you know, like how many offense coordinators did he have? He had, he had like, I think one, a new offense coordinator or a new quarterback coach every year, like up until Harbaugh. I think I've blocked most of that Niners football out of my mind, but yes, it was awful it's just the rotating door yeah and and yes that stuff does matter so the consistency there i think it gets exciting when you look long term here but i mean there might be a push who knows what's gonna happen Mm -hmm. yeah enough on the offense we'll table it let's move on to brighter things the defense oh glorious shut them out in the second half lord have mercy oh my goodness like, this was just superb. What a superb performance from the guys. And I tweeted this out, like, right after the game. Brett Johnson and Cam Good were the two guys that were, like, absolutely on fire in the first half. And then Oregon adjusted to them. They started double-teaming Brett Johnson. And then what happened? Cal decides, no, oh, that's, no, we have more weapons than that. And then sends Braxton Crota and Coin Dang to wreak havoc. And they... They succeed, and they showed off, and they rose to the occasion. That was what was key here for me, is that the guys who needed to step up in the team's most dire moments of need, when they're lack sorely lacking the depth at a lot of these positions, all stepped up. Brett Johnson played against that offensive line like he was a man possessed, suplexing guys into the floor. Um, Coin Dang said, I want the ball, give me the ball, and just wanted to take everything. Um, Cam Good was like, "You're if I'm in the backfield, there's only room for one of us, so you're going to have to sleep on the floor. And puts them down. Uh, Braxton Croto, like just the Croto type, absolutely stellar uh, on that fourth down stop. 
I don't know what else needs to be said. Like every single guy like who needed to perform and step up for this particular game, for this type of opponent, for us to win, all the stars on both sides of the ball need to perform to a certain degree in order for us to win. We're not at that Oregon State or we're not at that Oregon level of recruiting where we have our athletic ability able to mask, you know, some of the depth issues, right? We need every guy to step up. Every guy on defense stepped up, especially after the two broken plays. Yep. No, I mean, I don't have too much to add on defense, to be honest with you. Defense played amazing. Coin Dang had his best game mm-hmm. as a Cal player. I don't think that's even in question. And, you know, outside of that, as you mentioned, we're seeing ro- rotations uh, or glimpses into the future. And there's uh, the future's bright. <laughs> this future is bright on that on that side of the football. Cam Bynum is there's two players I want to shout out. One is Cam Bynum, who on that deep pass, the receiver had to play the defender role because Cam was going to pick that ball off, <laughs> and that is just amazing to see. The other, and who I think was the unsung hero of this game, is Josh Drayden. Josh Drayden's play in the end zone on that football to prevent the touchdown was one of the most impressive plays I have ever seen in my entire life. I I think I do not understand the body control you have to have to be moving that direction. Then the awareness to read, reach across, and then bat the ball out of the air. In, as the ball's in motion, <laughs> going fast. Well, he's also in flight. He's this it, is in midair. It was an unbelievable play, and it was the difference between us winning and being tied. Was that play? It was I, an unbelievable play. You could Photoshop that like that screenshot of like him tapping the ball away into like a variety of different things, like him like. You know, catching a baby from falling off a counter. Like, it's just, you could you could change that into so many different things. But the athletic ability to do it, oh my goodness. Like, he, there's a there's a part of me that has, this, my, this is my conspiracy theory. There's a part of me where it's like he wanted to look cool on the stop too. He knew he was going <laughs> to get to it with his right hand, right? Because he was diving right. And that's, because that's, you can reach farther with your right hand if you're jumping right. Like, just. And anatomy wise, like it's just it's it's easier to do so. But he switches to his left and he reaches across and he bats it down. Like that's my conspiracy theory. Is he, he want to look cooler switching to his left hand to slide that it was, ball down? It was insane. And there's something about him in big games. Yeah. It he Drayden has been so clutch for us against these raked opponents. I feel like he leads the defense into in some of these situations he just brings energy and so i seem to remember him like stepping in because of injuries into the washington state game and then just dominating the washington state game and i felt like this was the same thing like he was fired up he made an incredible play had a couple of good like really solid tackles Uh, he just was you know who he's been, which has just been. I like. Do we uh, we get Drayden next year? Like that's crazy to me. Yeah, <laughs> like, we could potentially keep him. Yeah, is 
It's crazy. I hope he does because he's immensely valuable to this defense and his play this year has been really damn really impressive. Yeah. I mean, we talked about the broken play with Trey and like, you know, outside of that, it's like they they made adjustments in the half, at halftime. And they came out and they played exactly as we needed them to play. And they locked down. I don't I there's there's nothing more to be said because they, their play was so stellar. Like we can sing their praises for like another hour. Like there's not a lot of negatives I can I can pull from this. Um and the way that they played against that Oregon team. Granted, that Oregon team isn't the Oregon offenses of late, right? But Moorhead had some really creative plays uh that he pulled out of the playbook, like against us. And yet, I think our defense rose to the occasion, as I've said numerous times so far, and they did their job. Yeah, I mean, even the way they adjusted to die and the way that Oregon... This Oregon team is... One, I've been informed that Ty Thompson is coming. So if you talk to any Oregon fans... (laughs) But, you know, they're they're still dropping massive point totals each game you know this is not a team that's bad on the offensive side of the ball so uh, amazing defensive performance yeah. uh, just another sort of one that we <laughs> I, I can't say i saw it coming and you know they played super well against stanford so there's no way to reason that to think that it wasn't coming but just to see you know against oregon yeah it was awesome it definitely wasn't a one-off that's for sure like the, i think this defense is now is in mid-season form with only two games left in the season. <laughs> like they're they're finally coming around. Yeah. So all right. Well, that's our talk on and the wrap on the Oregon game. But we do have some comments and some questions. So let's get I was to gonna that. say, yeah. No questions? Yeah. <laughs> we do have some co- I asked for people for comments too. I think it's a lot more fun that way. So we can read their comments on the air and talk about their comments. Uh Sid uh tweets at us, says I I attend Oregon. But I've been going to Cal games since I was a baby. In my last year at you know, at Oregon, I am so freaking happy Cal won. So I believe she's a senior at Oregon right now. I've even worn my Cal shirt in the Oregon student section. I wish I could have been in Oregon when we won, but I'll take it. Have you met Drew? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are destined to be friends. Yeah. Sounds very similar. That's awesome. I can't imagine how horrible that is. Oregon fans are not nice, especially students in the student section. So if you're wearing the Cal shirt in the student section, mad, mad respect. Because, uh, I mean, they've gotten nicer over the years. But if you're going to go to the game next year, mm, I wouldn't expect them to be very nice. I'm sure they're not going to be nice coming off a loss. No, not a loss like that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I also tweeted at a uh, traveler hates Thursdays because they were talking about it's conquest week. And I said, who should we be rooting for? And they said, obviously the one that you had one of the people on your show. And I sent them the Larry David gif of like, eh, <laughs> not sure. Anyways, move on. Uh, Gerardo tweets at us. Oregon fans say they gave the game away. However, those turnovers were forced and good plays by the Cal D. I think we could start looking the next year a bit. Any chance of our young QBs can beat out Garbers considering they'll all spend the same amount of time in the offense. Sounds like someone might be rooting for it, but if we didn't talk about it enough, (laughs) 
I don't think so. I don't think there's much of a chance. It's got to be kind of annoying if you're a younger guy to see your path blocked. But it also, as a as a fan, makes me really happy because I don't think we're going to run into a situation that Chase was kind of thrown into where, you know, we had Sonny who was refusing to kind of develop younger talent. And, and we just, so the gap seemed really big between Davis Webb and what was next. Yeah. Uh, and so I think... Yeah, as as we go forward, I I don't know. Maybe I, I do wonder if you know who knows because it seems like Brashton has a freaking cannon, and then you have Jaden Casey, who's like Rob's favorite recruit ever. So abs- so athletic, Lord. So I, what I wouldn't be surprised is maybe if you ran more of like a spell type of situation if there was a clear skill set that one possessed, like let's not forget that Brandon McIlwain, like what Wilcox was trying to do with McIlwain um, and Garbers was actually quite interesting in that he was trying to use McIlwain as the running threat and then Garbers as the pure passer. And so I think that that is, you know, that it seems like two, two, two centuries ago when that happened, but you know, the same coach, same sort of concept of what we're trying to do and be interesting to see, what Musgrave would do with that. But that's what I would think. If you have someone that comes in and kind of offers something that the offense doesn't have, you're probably likely going to see them. And then, you know, as with anything, the, all the fans will start you know, rooting for the backup. I, I don't know how many times I can say this. <laughs> if you are with the team and you are in practice, and Rob can test this, someone who gets to go to practices, you know who the best quarterback is. Easily. A hundred with a hundred percent. It's, abundantly clear if you are a fan and i'm now fully i'm now fully in this perspective your what you see is so limited the backup that you are rooting for is never as good as you want them to be i promise you i promise you <laughs> yeah I, it's i just say just go back and listen to probably last year last year's like early podcasts and then, because I believe Andy, you were clamoring for Devon Monster. Yeah, always at like, <laughs> like two. Yeah, right. And I was like, "There's, it, there's just no way. There's just no way." Like, uh, yeah. But if you want to listen to Andy's perspective on that, like, just go back and listen to the podcast. He he talks about it. He absolutely talks about it. And I, but I can only, I can only vouch even more and stand by that point even more. When you go to practice and you watch, yes, some of the younger guys maybe flash a few throws. Right, you're always going to see that they just everything clicks, throws beautiful, you know, down the sideline like a fade, and it's just like perfectly into the breadbasket. And you're like, Oh, oh, that is nice. The question becomes, Can he do that with consistency? And most of the young guys can't, (laughs) usually can't. And that's why they're the young guys on the roster and they're learning the playbook and learning and getting up to speed of playing quarterback at the division one level at a power five school. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next question is our, one of our writers, Alex, would you have kicked the about 42 yard field goal instead of going for it near the end of the fourth quarter? Longhetto hit from 52 against Oregon state after all. I mean, I'm kicking a hundred percent, but I wasn't over. I wasn't mad about the decision. But yeah, I kick, I go for the field goal. Yeah, I I don't I actually don't know what I would have done. I think 
I would have tried to give my offense a little bit more of a boost and just show that I trust them to get that fourth down. And maybe I go for it because I, as, as Trey said, the defense was playing really well. And I think the defense was playing really well. I hate that you're going to have to lean on defense and ask them to bail you out again. But um, I think it was the right time to give your uh, your offense a, a chance to to make up for it. Do I think maybe there's a bit of the yips after uh, after the Stanford? Like you try to kick the PAT instead of going for two, and the PAT gets blocked. Like, does that play a factor into it? Do you think another you know field goal is going to get blocked here? Do you not have confidence? I, they showed uh, Longhetto on the sideline, and it looked like he. I don't. I wouldn't want to say frustrated, but it definitely looked like he was a bit disappointed that he wasn't allowed to go out there and kick the field goal because he's just on the sideline, like with his helmet on. He's just kind of like, you know, I think he was getting ready to go out there because he thought he was going to be asked to kick a field goal. But they went with the fourth down. Same as the decision in the Stanford game. I am not upset with the call to go for it or to kick the field goal. Like the decision itself. I'm not upset with it's the execution of the play that you called to do so. Yeah. You'd probably be pretty upset that we were even in that situation for the fourth down. Yeah. Just the offense was so unable to do anything positive for seemingly forever. Uh, those slot, the <laughs> possession just felt like two years long. Oh, definitely. But I think that's more of the frustration is just why, you know, after the first down, Six yards, just like Bradrick Shaw run, Bradrick Shaw run. But if you haven't heard us or heard us talk <laughs> enough about that, just rewind, revisit. Yeah, just uh, we go on slider. for a while. Just shift the slider back another fifteen minutes backwards. Last question we have is from uh, Shavit Karen. He asks, he or she asks, they ask, uh, what do you make of Chase's regression this year? Just the new offensive line, new offense coordinator issues, or something more concerning? If you hadn't heard us talk about this. You know what? I like this because for a while I was just, I was like, damn, are we the only ones that feel this way? I need, so I don't read the questions in advance. Yeah. So that was, it's good to know we're all on the same page here. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. I think it could be anything. I think all coordinator change. I do like the under center point that you made earlier, Rob. I think the under center points a really good one. Um, you know, he was really starting to click out of shotgun. Trey said the same thing. So there's some consistency and there's a threat of consistency with the whole season and sort of that change maybe being more significant. The receivers are more open than he's ever had in his time at Cal. Let's, I mean, abundant, let's, Kokoa, like, Makai, Trevin Clark, we haven't heard his name as much, but, you know, he's also really, really solid. Nico, like, we have talent at the receiver position that we haven't had for a chase in a very long time. And we also have some pretty damn good tight ends, dude. Like, let me not forget Tonjus and, you know, more and there's, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. We've talked for long enough. (laughs) (laughs) We've talked for long enough about this game. Bottom line is we're happy that we won. That's, that's where we stand. (laughs) And if we get only one win this year, this is not man, a bad one. This is not a bad one. Is about yeah. Like I would have taken Stanford first, and like I've been fine. But to like beat Oregon, I think that means. You know, I know the axe means a lot, but if you think about Wilcox and his ties to that program, that that one probably felt pretty damn good. Yeah, I 
yeah, the like all the and recruits. Yeah, the recruiting. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you that. Like, what do you think the impact is? So we have a recruit. I mean, we'll be able to talk about this as we, as we approach it, but just as my own fan question, as we look towards the recruiting deadline, have you gotten any word that anybody's, you know, there were a lot of decommits outside of Cal mm. that even you had commits at, you know, Cal commits that are saying I'm, you know, double affirming my commitment to Cal given all of these decommitments that are taking place. Are there anyone that you're concerned about? And uh, do you think the Oregon win has an impact? I think the Oregon win has an impact because it was nationally televised. If it was on Pac-12 Network, who cares? <laughs> it's on ESPN, you know, 4 p.m. kickoff. Like, it's prime. It's like a good prime time slot for, like, both West and East Coast. Like, anyone in the country can watch it at a reasonable time. And for the Bears to put on that type of performance, I think that is where you kind of start to turn heads a little bit where you start winning games like that on the national stage this year and kids across the country are watching those games, right? Like how many guys are tuning into FS1? Probably not too many, but I mean, a lot of kids are probably tuning into a game on ESPN or on ABC or on like over the air Fox. Like those are probably the channels you want to hit, you know, with your, with your games. So this type of marquee game against Oregon, but they get, you know, shredded like our defense just destroyed them like they you know they just weren't the organ of yesteryear even last year so i think that helps in terms of anything i've heard nothing of much usually this time of year is like where everything starts to go a little bit silent for at least like a, a, a week or two right heading into early signing day which is early signing period which actually starts next friday is the start of early signing period. So that's, that's quote unquote signing day. That's where we'll have all our coverage of all the guys signing and sending in. And that's when the coaches will be able to start to talk about them and, and all that. So it's exciting times ahead. Um, I'm curious to see how the class finishes out because there are a few, we do have a few empty scholarship slots that I think they're, that are hoping to get for some specific guys. My personal one I would want is probably Byron Cardwell. Who's that running back. Um, in the state, but with all these dick commits, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they re-diverted their attention on a few of those scholarships to some of these higher uh, like rated guys that are either decommitting or even some of those higher guys that are transferring out out of specific programs right now, because you see a lot of that too, right? I would not be surprised. Stur- uh, Avant locked in? Oh, yeah. I think all the Cal recruits that have have said, yes, they're coming, they're fully locked in. They're not. I think they're fully committed to this program. J. Michael. Last piece. J. Michael. Oh, J. Michael, Jermaine Terry, and Kai. And oh, man, I am excited. (laughs) So last piece. And I'm going to end on this. The 4 p.m. kickoff is the best kickoff time period debate me at me on twitter andy j beast mode i'll come back to twitter if you want to talk about that one 4 p.m pacific time best kickoff time ever regardless of if you're watching at home or at memorial that's the one 4 p.m 
I've said it. Never I, do I always, any other time. I agree with you 100%. Because you, you know why 4 p.m. games are my favorite? It's because you get, you get the day and night game. It's like usually you get the day for like the first half. And then the lights come on and you get that night feeling, that night under the lights type of feeling for the second half as the game's coming to a close. I love that feeling. Love that feeling. And then but, you get a whole day before. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways. 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 And Andy and I are out of the press box by like nine. We don't have to stay there till like 1 a.m. That's the best part. That's the best part. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, that is it for us from here on the BearCast. You can find all our stuff uh, on any of the listening platforms. And if you're listening to us, then I don't need to tell you where to find us. But you can find us on Twitch at twitch.tv backslash GoldenBearCast. We're nine followers away from becoming a Twitch affiliate. Nine. If you're listening to this, be one of the nine. Not like not like uh, the boys from Amazon, that type of nine. But the nine. Be a part of the nine that gets us to 50 followers that gets us to being an affiliate. Help us out, fam. We would appreciate that. Uh, beyond that, on game days, you can uh, watch us with our live watch along this week against Washington State. It'll be on YouTube.com backslash right for California or, as I said, on that Twitch channel or even on Periscope. But I would highly recommend putting us up on YouTube or Twitch on a side computer as you watch the game with us. We have a few special guests uh, lined up for this week's stream and going to be following and talking with us about the game. So be ready for that. You can find all our written stuff at writeforcalifornia.com. Shameless plug. I wrote a basketball piece, my first one for this season. My first basketball piece since Larry's passing. Um, and I hope I made you proud, Larry. I know you're listening to this. So uh, hope it made you proud with the statistical analysis that I did there. But that is it. That is all of us. Andy, you got anything else? You good to go? Go Bears. As always, go Bears. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.